show number 60 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. You know, there hasn't been enough sex talk on this show lately. And there hasn't been enough talk about butt plugs. It's true. We have gotten a few comments. Not complaints. I don't want to call them complaints. Just reminders. Observations. Gentle reminders. So here we are. First segment, show 60. It's all about the sex toys. All. And these are courtesy of um, our, our readers, our readers, our listeners, sending them in. Uh, and, and here's the first one, which I'm going to let you talk about here. <laughs> Gee, thanks. This came from Ken. <clears throat> it is the George W. Tush. This is a, a George Bush butt plug. People, this is what it says here. People say W's got his head up his butt. Now you can find out what it's like to have it up yours. <laughs> Five and a quarter inches high and three inches from ear to ear, flared for ultimate anal amusement, George W. Tush will have you standing at attention and saluting the flag while he roots around for that pesky WMD, wildly messy defecation, <laughs> available in a variety of colors. You can order W alone or with the assquake <laughs> vibrating unit. Get yours now, because he's the divider. Oh, my God. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's on a website called CelebrityButtPlugs.com. What a great name. See, it's a good descriptive name. I like that. You don't have to explain it to anybody. <laughs> so, of course, we were like, what wow, other celebrities do they have? Well, here's the other celebrities, and there are only two right now. Smell Gibson, <laughs> the Brave Fart Edition, and Pear Ass Hilton. Mm-hmm. Coming soon, the Ass, the Ass Academy Award, Rump Limbaugh. An Elrond butt plug. Mm-hmm. Now, we're thinking we should uh, tell them they need to do William Shatner. William fucking Shatner. William fucking Shatner, because that would be another media. That Bill has conquered. For Bill to conquer. You can order a custom butt plug. Unfortunately. It costs $125. But I love this. Would you like to make a friend, family member, boss, or colleague into your very own celebrity butt plug? If so, email us a front and side view photo of your personal superstar and their butt name <laughs> to custom at celebritybuttplugs.com and we'll create a celebrity butt plug TM just for you. Each custom celebrity butt plug TM is individually hand sculpted by one of our in house artists. Can you imagine that on your resume that you're an Butt plug artist? Custom butt plug artist. Due to our meticulous attention to detail and dedication to quality, the turnaround time is two weeks. Height and width may vary. You shall be solely responsible for your submissions and affirm, represent, and or warrant that you own or have the necessary licenses, rights, consents, and permissions to use the submitted images and authorized celebrity <laughs> butt plugs to reproduce them. Yeah, go to your grandmother and yeah, ask for her permission to have sure her made into a butt plug. They wrote to um, Mel Gibson and said, is it okay if we make you into a butt plug? You're, you're cool with that, right? Dude? I think... Melvin. <laughs> I loved it that people were calling him Melvin Gibstein after, <laughs> after his rant about you. Hey, you know what? It's great for bachelor bachelorette parties, frat parties, fundraisers, oh, political events, wow. and much more. <laughs> Star Trek conventions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine. Well, what would we have to come up with a name? I mean, I think William Fucking Shatner is pretty good name that's, for a butt plug. That's. <laughs> Yeah, 
it's going to be pretty hard to improve on okay, that. Okay, well, that's my suggestion. Okay. All right, so maybe if somebody wants to buy one for us, they can do it. $125 a lot of money. Well, I got a feeling that they go ahead and do celebrities without getting their permission because it's the idea of you're in the public eye, <laughs> so we can true. do this. So, you know, maybe if we just wrote to them and said, please do a William Shatner one, because when they already have it done, it's only $20. That's true. I'd pay $20 to get a, a Shatner one. Me, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So um, you guys should all go and look at celebritybuttplugs.com. Maybe we can get a lot of people writing in. A lot of excitement generated for a Shatner butt plug. (laughs) William fucking Shatner butt plug. Okay, that was item number one. Okay. Item number two comes from our friend Ed, who says, I thought you might find the following interesting. A sex toy Olympics from Nerve.com and a male sex doll. Yay! (laughs) So thanks, Ed. Um, The Nerve.com thing is pretty funny. Um, I'll, I'll put up a link to it, and it was an article that was called, um, I Did It for Science, Experiment, Sex Toy Olympics. <laughs> and this woman um, decided to go through and test all of these different sex toys to see which one, and not just her, but, you know, her, her um, panel <laughs> to test them. So here were the different um, items that they used. Glass dildos, six. Miscellaneous dildos, six. External vibrators, four. Internal vibrators, four. Talking vibrator, one. Vegetables, three. Um, lube, one bottle, wet flavored lubricant, five bottle variety pack, horny goat weed, two pills, (laughs) batteries, approximately 17, (laughs) and condoms. Then tell us how many. Uh, no, it doesn't say how many condoms, but, um, this was a funny article. Nerve is pretty good for this sort of stuff. And, um, the conclusion to all this was, um, that, uh, I, I wanted to read this because it was pretty funny. Um, the next day, Tobley said her arm was so tired she'd felt like she'd pitched nine innings. My vagina was worn out. <laughs> Worst of all, I wasn't sure which toy should win. If I were stranded on a desert island, I'd want a toy that offered the most options. By those standards, the talking vibrator would be my first choice. It offered the most speed settings, a clitoral stimulator, and a penis head that swivels. Plus, it speaks French. <laughs> Sadly, it was disqualified. To make up my mind, I Why mas- was it disqualified? I, didn't, I forgot that part of it. I don't know. Um, to make up my mind, I masturbated a few more times, but my clit still had a hard time deciding. I even tried a wearable vibrator, figuring I could get my errands done while testing it out. <laughs> but the leg straps irritated my thighs, and it looked as subtle underclothing as a heavy as heavy-duty adult diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm as picky as Goldilocks, but I think the perfect sex toy has yet to be invented. I used the Lily more than the others, but mostly in an assistive role, kind of like a wing to a striker. And I'm not sure any vibrator is worth $129. As for technical merit, the pocket rocket wins for speed and efficiency. But aesthetically, it leaves a lot to be desired. I agree with that. (laughs) The Dinky Digger, on the other hand, has both technical and artistic method and executes orgasms with finesse, despite its oafishness. So, it's the little mole from Germany that will take the gold, followed by the Swedish lily in second place, and the Japanese pocket rocket going home with the bronze. I never thought I'd write these words, but I am now tired of masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) Give me four years and I might feel differently. (laughs) So that I thought was really, really funny. That is pretty good. So it's funny because of the three products that she she has in there. The first one, the Dinky Digger, I don't know anything about, but I have the Swedish one and the Japanese Pocket Rocket. Right, right. And I'd agree with both of those assessments on that. I am very surprised that the rabbit wasn't in the Olympics. Because I think that would have taken the gold. That's true. That's true. Well, it's a fun article, so, um, and it's got a lot of that, that um, very snarky thing, and, right. and really funny pictures, too. Like, here's a picture of her with one of the big tiltos in her hand, <laughs> and a sweatband. 
So anyway, so there you go. That's a funny thing. Now, this other thing that Ed sent us a link to, um, you know, of course, that there are um, dolls. And this website is called realdoll.com. Um, and actually, I saw um, a thing on this on, uh, I believe it was on Real Sex on HBO. Really? On Real Doll. They were showing oh. how it's made and, and the whole thing. And um, is it creepy? It was actually fun. Okay. Um, so um, um, he sent this um, male real doll specifications, and I'm trying to find it on the site because I want to see what the actual picture. But it's nice that they make male dolls. The women dolls are all kind of creepy looking. Oh, there he is. Male real dolls. Sample one. Charlie. Charlie X. Charlie X. Oh, and there he is. So he's like a white guy. And, and they put him in all these suggestive poses, which actually look pretty silly, I have to say. <laughs> like I'm taking a bath. I like his little pubic hair. He's nicely trimmed. That's good. Mm-hmm. And look, he's got little socks on there. That's what you think they would have made. Look at his masturbating. He is. Look at his little butt. Look he's how got a nice is. butt. He does. Now, I wonder if his butt has a butthole or not. Let's see. Do they have other male dolls here? Oh, these female dolls are pretty creepy looking, yeah. I have to say. Ew. Um, so here's the specs, which um, Ed has listed for us. So um, he's made of silicone rubber, silicone rubber. He's PVC skeleton with steel joints. He must be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. 5'11". He's 123 pounds, 44-inch chest, 32-inch waist, <clears throat> 34-inch hips. His shirt size, because you probably want to buy clothes for him, is a medium-large. Um, Why? Are you taking him somewhere? Uh, well, if you're going to have him in your house, you might as well dress him up, huh? Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he also gets to ride in your car, so you get to go in the carpool lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can get different hair color, light blonde, medium blonde, auburn, red, brunette, brown, black. Hairstyle, you can send a photograph. You can get fair, medium, tanned, Asian, or African skin tone, all different eye colors. You can cha- cha- choose your pubic hair color, blonde, red, or brunette. Wow, so I wonder if you could get, like, mix and match there. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Pubic hairstyle, shaved, trimmed, or natural. Ooh, I'd go for natural. And then you can get different penis sizes. Ooh. Extra but large. why would you? I, <laughs> extra large. It starts from big to small. Extra large, large, medium, small, extra small, and flaccid. <laughs> I would want a definition of what they consider extra large. Like circumference and length. I don't know. And then anal entry is optional. It will affect the weight. And then <laughs> oral entry is standard with the doll, in case you want to fuck him in the mouth. Oh. Well, like if you were a man, and right. I guess if you wanted to get a strap on together. Um, why aren't they giving you options on how big his balls are? <gasps> That's a really good point. When were you, this is the, the fact, when will you offer a she-male real doll? And um, they've actually made some of those. Wow. Wow, they're expensive. So they, they are very $7,000. That is pretty expensive. And they show you the feet. Oh, here's the specs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Male real doll. Um, it doesn't actually have any other information about the penises. So I don't know what they mean when they say, uh, you know, small, medium, and large kind of. And look, here are all the different options for the she-male doll. Detachable penis. <laughs> There's a song called Permanently Attached Penis with Testicles but No Vagina. Permanently Attached Penis with No Testicles but with a Vagina. So it's very much a mix and match mm-hmm. thing with all of those three there. So, oh, look, you can get them blue. Wow. The doll you can that get is. An you can get an Andorian or an alien. That woman from Farscape. She's could blue. get Mandor from Andor. Oh, you could. 
So, um, there you go, male real doll. For $7,000, I don't think either of us are going to be investing in that. Well, the female one's only 1300 Flat back torso. No, it's just a torso. It's not a whole doll. That's oh, creepy. Oh, it's like the Jeffrey Dahmer version. Oh, that's kind of kind of gross. Okay. Okay. So that's enough of the that dolls. That me out. Okay. <laughs> Here's something else. Um, the world premiere for Virtual Vagina with VCS in completely. <laughs> Whatever that means. Okay. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what these, these toys are. The first one is the Virtual Hole. This is a ultimate virtual oh. vagina system that synchronizes perfectly with images in real right. time. Right. So what you do is you hook this thing up to your video, your um, DVD player, and mm-hmm. there's something in it that matches the movements of the toy to the movements that the the porn star on the screen is doing. Okay. So this virtual hole simulates completely of this obviously bad translation of women's mouth hands and sensation of insertion very detailed by interlocking with images Mm -hmm. for example feeling of the touching from the down to the tip can be transmitted to virtual virtual vagina okay so you have to download their special movies yeah. Um, to work with these toys. This thing looks like a bowling pin. And Yeah, and you, you put it on your dick, uh-huh. and you're hooked up through. Yeah, I like the little motion lines coming yes, off of yes, it here. That's... So it, it has cute little manga drawings of guys using this. Yes. Now they also have, for women... The virtual stick. <laughs> Lose yourself in pure ecstasy with a virtual partner. Normal usage will be linked to virtual hole. The pressure and location date, which are collected from sensors on vibes, can be converted in real time and synchronized to virtual vagina. Whole. Videos and VCS vibe signals can be easily recorded at the same time by cameras. A real-time virtual sexual intercourse unit. (laughs) You can enjoy virtual sexual intercourse with our original state-of-the-art virtual stick set in real time. So we're it's looking at USB the connection. Wow. Okay, and then we have the virtual butterfly. Oh, there's a movie. Okay. Ooh, we gotta watch the movie. The same movement as the image of the video is showed. <laughs> Very easy to connect. But okay. look at this thing. It looks creepy. It does. It looks like a crab. Okay. Let's see. Reference exhibition. It say, ladies, ladies welcome well, to the world of visual ecstasies. Virtual Butterfly. This is a Japanese site, by the way. Oh, yeah. DVD. The same movement as the image of the video is showed. Very easy to connect. Blah, 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 blah. And you have done this process. <laughs> oh, and there it is. Oh, great. Whoop, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> They're showing you, there's a picture of, like, a, um, a, a medical illustration of a body, and it's showing you how the uh, butt plug goes in. And there's an arrow. An arrow, a little pulsing arrow that's showing you what's happening. See, it's all the way up. It goes all the way up into your body. all the way down. Behold, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) not only men, but also omen, virtual toys will link to movement of the DVD for VCS movies completely. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Okay. So you can get all these things linked to some weird porn movies that you have to download. You know what I want? No, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I want the opposite of this. What I want is to be able to use my sex toys Uh doing whatever I want and hook it up to the DVD player Uh so that what I want to (laughs) see shows up on the DVD player. Like... 
Captain Kirk. Oh, doing that. Yeah. I, you know. Because you know what? I, I've got a confession. Yeah? I have a big crush on him. <laughs> you like Captain I Kirk? I like him. I'd want to kiss him. Kirk and Kitty sitting in a tree. Uh-huh. Yeah, I figured that. Um. <laughs> Oh no! I'm sorry. She's spitting. She's spitting out her burners all over the place, and now the phone is ringing. Well, ignore. we just have to let the phone go. Um, yeah, I knew you had a crush on Captain Kirk, but um, some that's him calling. I should answer. <laughs> oh no, Jim! But, but, what you just described? You shut up and stop. That's ringing. the last one. Okay. Machine. What you what you just described there is the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I want. I think that would be awesome if there was really a holiday. But someday they'll do that. You know, it'll be like an interface between your toys and a program like Poser that uh-huh. creates three-dimensional stuff on the screen, and it will actually be live and in real time. Speaking it will happen. of things we want, <laughs> yes. one of the things that I want is actually coming into being. Yeah? Okay, do you remember me telling you about this? That I thought they should build a desk yes. Oh, yes. with the surface supplies power yes, to yes. all the computers at... Whatever it was that was just in Vegas. CES. What, yeah. CES. Uh-huh. They showed this thing. It's not a desk. We're getting to that, though. But it's a strip. Mm-hmm. You just lay it down, and you put, like, your cell phone and your iPod on top of it, and it charges oh, them just by them laying awesomely there. Awesomely awesome. I want one. I want one, too. That sounds great. Doesn't it? Yeah. Cool. You have the best ideas. And, you know, I of course I was going, you know, I should have patented that idea and I really was going to until my husband pointed out to me that in order to file for a patent you have to actually um, as part of the patent thing describe mm-hmm. how this would work. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have built one but you have to describe and I'm just like well I can only describe the effect I want it to have. <laughs> I have no idea how it works. You take this bag of transistors and you shake it up <laughs> and you super glue them together and then it works. Yeah, with cinnamon. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and sugar. You know, um, it's interesting. I will just mention that the patent office has lately been getting some flack because um, they've let some things through that never should have gotten through, like, oh, perpetual motion machines (laughs) and free energy machines, which just, like, violate the laws of physics. And the patent office, I mean, they're so overloaded. The government keeps cutting people from the patent and the trademark offices, so they're horribly backlogged, and they just don't have the time. To go through everything as thoroughly as they should. But there are people who spend a lot of time looking through newly issued patents going, this one's right and this one is totally impossible. <laughs> and they write to the patent office. So anyway, that that's cool. So those are interesting sex toys. Um, personally, I haven't come across any other really interesting sex toys myself. Not that I want, no. No, I haven't seen anything good. But those were interesting. Yes, thank you for sending those in to us. We always want to be aware of what's going on in Toyland. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and, and speaking of toys, I wanted to talk about my little mini mate's Kirk, which I actually left in the other room because we were watching um, Boston Legal over there. Yeah. Uh, but I can talk about it anyway. So okay. We took him out of the package. He's very much fun to play with. I like him. Um, all of his pieces come apart. His head comes off and his legs come off and his arms come off. And the tribbles, as we were observing last time, are these tiny little puffballs that are all sewn together in a string. So you know what it is? It looks like a lumpy snake. It's a boa. It is a boa. It's so gay. It's very, very gay. And I have spent a lot of time recently posing him with the boa in very suggestive poses, like a pole dancer. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get, we'll try to take a picture of this, is him sort of um, with his legs spread apart, knees bent, and he's got the feather boa between his legs, and he's kind of pulling it back and forth. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I think that's appropriate. Yes. For him. Yes. But he his comes a little phaser, which fits in his hand very well, so I've been playing with that. And he's a very cute little guy. I like him very much. Oh, good. He's a good toy. Well, and when you told me, you know, the, the pieces all come apart, I was saying, well, if you got others of these mini-mates, mm-hmm. like a Klingon one, you could put his head on top so he's like yeah. in disguise oh, and yeah. going undercover on the Klingon world. Totally. You could have lots of fun. Yeah, I think it's very you much could fun. Do, oh, you could do a turnabout intruder of him and Uhura. <laughs> That would be fun. That would be very cool. I like the mini mates a lot. So uh, thanks again. That's a great gift. You're very well. And of course, we are sitting here in the, the shadow, almost literally, of, of big cardboard Kirk. He's watching us. He's wonderful. I love having him here. <laughs> He's making sure we do a good job on the show. That's right. Oh, and I have just the best idea for next Christmas for him. Oh. I'm not going to tell oh, you. Oh, okay. But it's going to be fabulous. Oh, good. <laughs> That's great. Okay, um, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch some stuff. I don't think we've really decided yet, but we're going to do some some Shatner reviews, and um, then we'll be back. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Menemsha. 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 Say that 27 times fast. You know what? What? That would make a good password. It would make a good password. Wow. That is true. Menemsha. What a stupid name. Really? <laughs> okay. And I repeat my question to you. What does it say about a family, about parents, that name one son Robbie and one Menemsha? Route 66, 1963, Shatner. Build your houses with their backs to the sea. This was a rarity. This is considered rarity, and it was really, um, up until maybe about the last ten minutes, that I thought, outstanding quality mm-hmm. of the, the, the video. video. Then it got a little shaky, but it was still good. Mm-hmm. And so we just watched that. Why don't you read the synopsis? Because we literally could not follow the plot too well, but there were many redeeming <laughs> factors that we'll get to. It's true. So um, first we need to preface this by saying, well, I had I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Route 66. Me this, neither. So I have no familiarity with it whatsoever. Right. So even the setup of this is like foreign to us. Right. We like, don't, who are the stars? We don't know. What are they doing? We don't know. Okay, Shatner plays Menemsha Faxon, the son of Maine lobster fisherman Thayer, played by Pat Hingle. Menemsha returns to his hometown after a year's unexplained absence in an attempt to reconcile with his father and his wife, Louise Sorrell, in her screen debut. And for those of you who don't know, Louise Sorrell played Raina Kopeck in Requiem for Methuselah. Mm-hmm. However, when he discovers Traveler Link Case, played by Glenn Corbett, who, in Metamorphosis, <laughs> played Zephram Cochran, uh-huh. working on his father's boat instead of his beloved brother Robbie, and learns that Robbie died on an earlier expedition, Menemsha loses it. He vows to kill his own father to avenge Robbie's death. 
Shatner begins to sabotage his father's traps, a crime punishable by death in the Maine lobster fishing community. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Forcing a confrontation between him and his old man, the two finally meet for a showdown on the beach where each acknowledges his own complicity in Robbie's death. Then they take a small rowboat out onto the ocean. At the end of the episode, a search helicopter finds the empty boat in the middle of the water. Ooh, Ooh. that gave me a shiver. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was the plot, but here's the thing. Here was Bill, 1963, wearing, you know, one of his 1963 toupees, which was not so great. But, oh my God, young, trim, fit, white pants. White pants. Butt shots, basket, him coming out of a bathroom or a bedroom, adjusting himself in his white pants. With his hand down his pants. Yes. He was like, here, I'm going to move my dick and balls around. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And two amazing swallows. Amazing The second swallows. one was better than the first, actually, and I need to cap that and, like, make an, a little animated gif out of yeah, it. Yeah, that, was, was, so that was outstanding. There, there was an open-mouthed kiss <gasps> with Louise Sorrell. And now we know why, in that episode, he had such a hard-on for the entire time. Clearly, he had done her back then. Yes. And, and it was great, and he was just so excited that they'd be together again. Yep, that, that had to be it. He slid down a rope. <laughs> You know, Bill just loves doing the physical, the athletic stuff, mm-hmm. and we were both thinking, when they said, okay, Bill, you come out on the dock, he's like, yeah, but you see up there, put a rope and I'll slide down it. And then he got to come out of the water wearing scuba <gasps> gear, and clearly he invented that as well. You know, they said, you have to be on the beach kind of fiddling with this stuff here and talking to Martin Milner, and he was like, oh, oh, I could come out of the water wearing scuba gear. I could swim up wearing my scuba gear. I have Scooby Gear. You know, he looks so gorgeous. This is going to sound so geeky, but he looks so gorgeous with drops of water on yes, his eyelashes. he does. He looked very, very good. Oh, and, and arm and um, fighting. Yes. And, and butt. Oh, lots and lots of butt. There was a visible panty line in at least one. Oh, yeah, and there was that one long exit. Where he was. And we were both just going, oh, 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 oh. It just went on. And... His mother was played by <laughs> Mrs. Roper. We were both looking at her like, we know that actress. Who is she? And then it became clear when we saw the credits who she was. It was Audra Lindley, oh, yes. who was never on Star Trek, but was in Three's Company. Oh, my. So it was crazy. So I hadn't realized that Zephram Cochran was in Route 66. Me neither. So we were like, look, look, look who it is. So they had worked together before, and he's worked with the woman who played Raina before. So it's just, you know, one big happy family of television in the early 60s. Yes. Everybody worked with everybody else. That's right. So um, really the plot was fairly incomprehensible. Uh, we, like, after the first three or four minutes, I was saying, there's way too much plot going on here, yeah, and I'm not understanding any of it. <laughs> and punishable by death when you, like, take another person's lobster traps? Well, that is his living. <laughs> I guess so, but the way they say punishable by death, it's like, um, they have a little lobster court. <laughs> they find you guilty, they execute you. No, they, no, they don't execute you. <laughs> They boil you, they crack you, they put drawn butter on you. (laughs) See, that would have been more interesting. (laughs) That's how it would be if it was directed by Mel Gibson. Lobster court. (laughs) I like that. That's a good idea. 
<laughs> okay. So, um, so that was something we watched, and even though the plot was kind of incomprehensible and it did get talky, there was so much wonderful Shatner stuff. Oh, there was. The that I thought was it, was, it was so totally worth it. And, but then there was one weird metaphor that got inserted that we both went to, like, what? And the one somebody says to somebody else, they'll be after him like rats chasing a baseball. <laughs> Rats chase baseballs? Really? I never knew I that. I never knew that before. I mean, I could see if it was like a dog chasing a ball. Cause dogs yeah. Like to, but rats chasing a baseball, that's a new metaphor. I'm going to try that next time I see some rats. <laughs> Here, Here. <go> fetch. <laughs> rats look at me. Are you fucking uh, nuts? So there was another scene we also could not really understand, which was... The dinner scene? Dinner, there's a dinner scene at, at Menemsha's parents' house. And it's a huge table, and they've got this enormous turkey on the table. And there are like 27 people there, and we don't know who any of them are. There's some kids, there's some other men dressed up in suits with the father and the mother. And some other old ladies. Yeah. They and don't then, explain any of it. They're just there. Then Menemsha and his wife show up, and everybody's really fucking rude to him. Yeah. And the mother slaps his wife. Yeah, and, and Menemsha sort of has a mini freak out and is acting... Um, just a little wacko. Just only, a little. Only in a like in a Denny Crane sort of way. Just kind of standing up and saying these inappropriate scenes. And when his wife finally talks back to his daddy, stands up and applauds a little bit. I enjoyed that though. So it was a very very strange episode. And I always when I see these things is like, is this what passed for television in the sixties? Is I guess. this what people expected? I guess. Like these weird. Um, labyrinthian plots and convoluted dialogue that you sort of have to muddle through to figure out what's going on. I guess so. I guess and, so. and Route 66 ran for a few years, it right? It, it's not like... It was on for a long time. Yeah. So, anyway. That was weird. Now, the other thing we watched was the remastered yes. Friday's Child. Which was on last week. <laughs> which, um, as you may remember, is the one where... Uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy go down to this planet. They're trying to negotiate mining rights with um, people who wear too much garish fur. <laughs> and McCoy has known these people before, so he kind of, you know, mm-hmm. takes the lead. And they find there's a Klingon, a Klingon or a Klingon. A Klingon, as most of them said, which um, was just a little weird. There. And there's a, the pregnant wife of the tear, which is the leader, and that's played by Julie Newmar. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons we watched this was, of course, that we had just seen her dress the and dress, touched dress. it and yeah. played with it. And so that was all wonderful. And uh, so we're watching this with the remastered effects. And the ones I think we mainly noticed were that the planet, you know, didn't look like planet Earth when they were, you know, showing that from space. It looked like a totally different planet. The shots of the Enterprise, um, you know, flying through space and everything were really beautiful. Beautiful. And, Very beautiful. And uh, Shatner looks gorgeous. His hair, like, the light on it makes it look a little blondish. He was looking wonderful. He was very trim. He was running around outside being Getting all his butt dirty. dirty, being all manly and everything. Yeah, jumping around and and it has, we believe, the only pillow fight in all of Star Trek. <laughs> which was uh, pretty cool. It was cool. Um, so, let me see. Yeah, so the, the Klingon thing was a little weird. Um, Chekhov was in this episode and he was wearing his beetle wig. His wig, which yes. Which was pretty, pretty fucking ugly. Um, the other place that we noticed the effects were that they did a really nice job of dropping them into those, um, view screens that are, um, up above the bridge stations. Right. And they changed constantly and there was a really nice scene of Chekhov kind of, um, 
he, he's looking at some data in, in Spock's blue viewer and Scotty says, let's put it up on the screen. And he flips the switch. And I'm re- trying to imagine in the original episode, basically they were turning on a 30 watt light bulb and you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the display came on. And in this one, it actually looked real cool and they mm-hmm. had, you know, a changing display. So that was neat. I like that effect. Um, and then, uh, the stuff on the planet was so much fighting. It was amazing. There was a fight scene like every five minutes, mm-hmm. instigated by Kirk in almost every single situation. Yes, yes. Where he just decided it was time to kick some butt. So he was kicking and punching, and he and Spock got to run around with big knives in their hands for most of this, the, the third yeah. and fourth act. So I, I could tell he was liking that a lot. And in the final fight, Kirk says, there's only one thing I want, and Spock says, the Klingon? And Kirk says, yes. And Spock says, revenge, Captain? And there's this pause, and then Kirk goes, why not? <laughs> Kill the fucker! All right. Okay! Here we go. I've made my decision. That's yep. it. And I'm not going to change my mind. That's right. Um, there was also a pretty amazing scene where um, McCoy is attempting to um, uh, treat the pregnant woman, and she doesn't want to be touched, and he, he puts his hand on her belly a couple times to try to, you know, feel what's going on there with the baby, and she slaps him twice, and then he hits her. Yeah! <laughs> Whap! And he slaps her right across the face. <laughs> but later, she pounds him with a rock. <laughs> so she got it back. So there you are, Dr. McCoy hitting a pregnant woman on TV. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but okay, tell the truth. Haven't you known a few pregnant women who needed to be slapped? I have. That that could well be true. Um, and then interestingly, later on, when Kirk asks him how he managed to touch her, he says, um, oh, he, I forget what Kirk says, and McCoy says, no, right cross. And Kirk says, I didn't know that was in um, your medical encyclopedia or something. And he says, well, it is from now on. <laughs> like, okay, the next time Kirk gets a little uppity with him in sickbay, he's just going to sock him. Just smack him. Smack him right across the face. Just smack him. Oh, and there was a great scene where there's a huge fight going on in the in the camp, and, and Kirk and Spock and McCoy are in this tent where they're supposedly like prisoners, but they're not tied up. And so they come out to join in the fight and Kirk just comes out of there and <laughs> kicks the shit out of this guy. Just kicks his weapon away, kicks him in the stomach, kicks him in the balls. Just a lot of kicking going just, on. Just totally joined in. Um, and then there was a very laughable moment at the end when they decide to make their own weapons um, because <laughs> they don't have a, a, a rudimentary lathe, so they <laughs> they make bows and arrows. And they are the dorkiest looking bows and arrows you have ever seen in your they life. They are worse than the, the bows and arrows little kids have when they play Robin Hood. <laughs> and we were just thinking, you know, you'd be a lot more effective sharpening that big bow and poking it in someone's <laughs> eye than you are trying to shoot an arrow out of that thing. Yeah, but he was pretty effective with it. Oh, well. He shot the Klingon in the knee. He did? Well, because he's Kirk. He's the goddamn yeah, captain. That's why he's the goddamn captain. <laughs> so there. Oh, and he made fire. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, and that's why he's the goddamn captain. <laughs> Boom, fire. Yeah. I am Kirk, the uh, fire maker. <laughs> I am Kirok. <laughs> so it was all, it was pretty rollicking, um, I would say. That <laughs> I'd episode. say rollicking is the word for that episode. <laughs> and then, you know, I was noticing that there wasn't much Spock in it, which was, was good. And Spock looked amazingly yellow. He did. It was like Spock as one of the Simpsons. <laughs> Simpson Spock. He was very, very yellow. Oh, so um, aside from the um, ship 
shots and the special effects on the bridge and maybe the background on the planet, which we couldn't really tell. Yeah. There didn't seem to be a lot of other stuff going on. No. There was some phasering, but that looked pretty much like it did before. It did, yeah. yeah that didn't look any different to me. And there were no other effecty sorts of things that mm-hmm. I could see that they did. So that was fun, and it was really fun to see that dress. Right. Now, speaking of Klingon. Yes. Um, I pointed this out to you, but I will share it with the listeners. The other night I happened to catch a little bit of wink of an eye. And we got some really, two instances of wonderful Shatner pronunciations. He does say sabotage. He says she sabotaged the ship. And he also says that people become docile. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. And nobody said Bill, it's pronounced oh, docile. They probably did say it to him, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He, he didn't want to, to do it. He had to do the bill pronunciation. You know, I love the episodes, too, where there's an alien name that's pronounced differently in several <laughs> scenes because they filmed out a sequence, yeah. and each actor just pronounced it the way he thought it was supposed yeah, to be Yeah, they said the word tear about 17 Yeah, there was tear and tear, and, and you know, oh, yeah. everybody was just all over the place. Yep. That was pretty good. So that was fun. Um, I'm going to try and be a little more uh, on top of taping the the remastered oh, if, if I can. I mean, the problem with in here in the Bay Area is that they don't show it at the same time every week, and a lot of times when they say they're going to show it, it's not on. Yep. They're very inconsistent about it. So the night I taped this, it happened to be that I, it was a weekend and I was up late, and I mm-hmm. just was like, oh, I'll put the tape in, and I'm going to have my finger on the button <laughs> to make sure it starts so I'm not taping like an infomercial for Bedazzler or something. Yep. And, so anyway, but that was really fun. Well, let's take a little break. Okay. Then we're going to come back and share something very, very personal and magical with you. Yes. Cue the music. Shatner as Boston Boston Legal Boston Legal and Star Trek for his motorcycle just shows you the kind of workmanship that he does unbelievable thank you thank you this is gorgeous it is gorgeous (laughs) and it's another media bill has conquered (laughs) motorcycle gas tanks I will put the link in for that particular clip. And, yeah, there are motorcycle gas tanks with paintings of Bill. One is Denny Crane and one is Kirk. And they look about the quality that you'd get on, say, a black velvet painting. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, it's, um, it's oil on metal. <laughs> or acrylic on metal. Um, check that off, Bill. Check it off. Ding! Now, we have a couple things to share with you before we get to the personal and magical stuff. Right, we'll do that last. Yes. Okay. So um, the first thing, well, there are two things. Let's do the, the more recent one, the thing we just watched first. Okay. So I think we've mentioned this before. The fan films continue to proliferate. I mm-hmm. mean, they're out there. And the newest one that people have been talking about is the one that's called Star Trek of Gods and Men. And this is um, a much, it looks like bigger budget to me, but they've also got an amazing number of stars involved. And I believe it's feature length. Is it really? I it's think a, it may be. Okay. Um, 
Let me go back and read the list of people who are going to be in this because I think I still did. I have the site up. Oh, I probably closed it. Already. I think you just closed <laughs> it. Gee, <laughs> why did I do that? Um, so it's directed by Tim Russ, who played Tuvok, um, starring Walter Koenig, Nichelle Nichols, Alan Ruck, who played um, Harriman. Um, Tim Russ is actually in it. Garrett Wong, who played um, what's his name, Harry from Voyager. Yeah. Um, Gary Graham, I don't know who that is. Chase Masterson, who played Lita from Deep Space Nine. Grace Lee Whitney, bitch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Crystal Allen, and I don't know who that is either. I've Uh, heard that name. Yeah, she's probably been on track. So, um, what you can... Oh, look, Ethan Phillips is going to be in it, and Robert Picardo is going to be in it, too. Okay. So... They got all these people to be in it, and if you go to the site right now, which is Star Trek of Gods and Men dot com, all one word, you can watch the trailer for it, which is what, like two minutes or something. It's long. It's a very long trailer, and honestly, if the point of the trailer is to help you understand what this story is about, it does not do that. Well, I'd say the point is to pique your interest, and um, halfway through it, you're saying, "So is this taking place in the mirror universe?" And when it first started, I was almost jokingly going to say, "Oh, it's the mirror universe." Because Harriman has a goatee. <laughs> well, from what I saw, it takes place certainly in a mirror universe. Uh-huh. Um, it looked like it was similar to the mirror universe, although maybe not necessarily the same one. And I know from online discussions that the the premise of this, so maybe I got a little more out of the trailer, is um, what if there had been no Kirk, if he had ever lived, mm-hmm. and... Uhura in this movie, I believe, has some sense or some knowledge that things are not as they are supposed to be. Okay. And you kind of got a sense of that in the the trailer from this mind meld scene we saw Mm -hmm. with her and Tuvok. But um, the trailer's too long and too disjointed to really um, be fully effective. But as you said, it does show that they had budget and Mm -hmm. they've got these, these Star Trek names associated with it. Now, it's going to be released in three parts. Uh-huh. And from what I understand, they have the first part oh, done. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Here's the release schedule right here. Right, but they've moved it out, so I don't know if those are the true dates, because they uh. just announced that um, parts two and three are coming later because they needed some more time to do post-production on Okay. Them. Well, that makes sense. So um, I don't know if the dates they've got up there now reflect that pushback or right, what. Well, there's no date on this thing, but it says... Um, part one, April 15th, tax day. So <laughs> we'll see if that actually happens. But I, I for me, I, when I see a trailer for something, um, I, I feel like the purpose of the trailer, besides to pique your interest, is sort of to give you an idea of what the storyline might be. Mm-hmm. And this was so, like, pieces of people being pissed off at each other that I couldn't actually figure out no. what the story was no. supposed to be. And you're not sure. I mean, there's Harriman with a goatee, but there are Klingons on the ship. And then there's Chekhov, who doesn't have a Russian accent, really. And he has a con sort of wig. And he has a con wig on, and and then there's Tuvok, and then there's stuff blowing up, and yeah, just and it looked like there were two Enterprises, and they aren't the ISS Enterprises either. So yeah. that's why I thought, okay, it's not Mirror Universe, but they have the dagger thing, and they have the gold sash, the gold sashes, so just yeah, all kinds of stuff. But I noticed that Harriman looked like he was wearing Finnegan's shirt. Yeah, didn't he? <laughs> So I gotta say, the one thing is, um, even if this is only an hour long, I have the same the same complaint that I do if it's feature length, and it's it's my general complaint about all these these fan films. I wish they would make them in a form that you could 
download, burn to a DVD, and watch on a TV. Mm-hmm. Because I don't like to sit and watch these things on my computer, and certainly not when they're an hour or more yep. long. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. <sighs> so there's that. I guess, you know, we'll keep reporting to you. As well, we and I want to see it. I do, you too. Know. Yeah. So along those same lines, oh, and one of the other people who is in Star Trek of Gods and Men is the guy who plays Spock in The New Voyages. Yeah. And so, Little baby chibi Spock. <laughs> chibi Spock. So um, I recently finally got around to watching um, the one that Walter Koenig is in called To Serve All My Days. Okay. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because I saw that. Yeah. Um, so that was from a story by Dorothy Fontana. Right. So a real Star Trek writer. Um, and clearly they've kind of upgraded everything a little from, I think, the last one that we watched in terms of... Um, the directing seemed a little bit better, mm-hmm. and I thought the pacing was a little bit better, and maybe that was partly due to the script. Um, the special effects were good. I'm telling you, the guy who plays Kirk, though, is really bugging me. Yeah. Because he's really not good. He's very flat. He's very one-dimensional. And there's a scene at the end with Chekhov, who is dying at this point, not to give anything away, but... Um, <laughs> Kirk comes into his quarters and is supposed to be having this moment with him where he's reassuring him that he was the best navigator in the fleet. And it's so bad. I mean, the the guy just cannot do drama like that. And it's a wonderful scene if it was Shatner playing Kirk or maybe anybody else who could really act. Well, this is it. Their production values are good. They're getting scripts now from people. They've got a script coming up from another Star Trek writer that's going to feature Harry Mudd. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going, you need to recast your lead roles. Uh, because they're not good, Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. And the, the sad thing is Kirk is the best of them. McCoy is so awful. He is really bad. But I have to say this about the script. I think it showed that they were all kind of like, oh, Dorothy Fontana's writing the script for us. And so there was no critiquing of it. Because yeah. to me, this played like a draft of a script. Yeah. And it needed tightening and it needed focus mm-hmm. and it needed more intersection between the two plot lines which exactly. were running exactly parallel through the whole show so you have plot line one which is that um Chekhov who as a young he's played as Chekhov as a young man by the guy who plays Chekhov who was actually good I liked and this him. was the first time their Chekhov yeah has been in it and this guy was good the guy yeah, playing he was good him. I liked him um he um gets caught in some kind of electrical thing that reactivates the thing that they all had in the Deadly Years episode, which causes him to age extremely fast. And when he gets older, he's played by Walter Koenig, so that's how that happens. At the same time, um, there's also a confrontation between um, the Enterprise and a Klingon ship, and then it turns out that there's actually a third party manipulating things between them. Is it the Romulans? Does it turn out to be the Romulans? It's something. I forget. (laughs) And so, the, so Kirk and the Klingon captain have to work together to resolve this situation. Um, the guy who plays the Klingon captain had also been a Klingon in the previous episode from an alternate timeline. And I liked him. I thought he was mm-hmm. a good actor, and he did a good job playing a Klingon. So um, those two actors were good. Um, <coughs> and the only place where... <coughs> excuse me. Isn't tight. The only place where those two plot lines crossed over was in the climactic battle where they're battling unnamed third-party enemy... They have to get Chekhov up to the bridge because he's the best. And he's like this little old man now who creeps up there and has to do his thing. And that's it. <laughs> and the thing is, it, that was a very fanfic thing, that all of a sudden um, we learned that Chekhov is not only the best uh, navigator in the fleet, which of course is acceptable because everybody in the Enterprise is the best of whatever they uh-huh. are in the fleet, but that he's also one of their top pilots. Uh-huh. And, you know... That's kind of like when they just were always piling more powers yeah, on Spock. He's and the best weapons guy. He's mm-hmm. the best this. He's the best that. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. So that was just a little weird. Um, 
the, uh, the, the thing with Chekhov, it, it's very weird and surrealistic because he ends up having conversations with himself, the young actor talking to, <clears throat> to Walter. And um, he, he, it's very meta. At one point he jokes, oh, this is like a Russian play. And it is like a <laughs> Russian play. All this introspection. And that was interesting. You know, I thought it was good. Um, and the woman who was in it, um, did you tell me she was also in a Star Trek episode? She, she played, um, I forget the character's name, the hippie chick. The oh, Russian hippie Irina, chick. yeah. Irina, yes. So, but she is not playing old Irina no. in this. She's playing a different character, which makes this all more confusing. Yeah, different confusing. other character. And she, her character is supposed to have known Chekhov's grandfather, so there's some connection there. And unfortunately, she's a big part of this episode, and she's a terrible actor. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Just like... Not even community theater level actor. <laughs> Just awful. And I was like, every time she's on the screen doing this over-emotional kind of like, oh, shut up. It was really bad. So the good parts of it, the interesting parts for me were really spoiled by the very bad acting and the fact that the script was still in draft form. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Chekhov dies. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the thing is... um this generated quite a, a conflict um, among the fanboys. <laughs> Alpha monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> because Chekhov, Chekhov dies. And apparently young Chekhov is going to be back in the very next episode. <laughs> and um, and the fanboys were going, boy, you you can't do that and not explain it. And one of the discussions I followed was really pretty funny because another fanboy went, well, yeah, you know, because Spock died and he came back and they didn't explain it. You're going, <laughs> wait, they, they took like an entire movie and a half to explain him coming back. That's, you know, it's not the same thing at all. Oh, but then uh, maybe they'll get visited by Trelane or Q or somebody. <laughs> well, I think they're just bringing him back with no explanation. But um, <laughs> then James Cauley, who's uh-huh. one of the producers and who plays Kirk, apparently passed some of these comments on to Walter. Uh-huh. And Walter wrote an email to him that he gave him permission to post and... It was funny because how um, Walter's email managed to be um, snippy and condescending at the same time that it was um, butt-kissing. <laughs> it's very strange. <sighs> so, there you go. So, I would say go watch it. You mm-hmm. know, go see what it's about. And they're making more. They're continuing to make yep. more. So, we'll have to see those eventually. <laughs> So uh, that's our report from Fan Filmland. <laughs> so do you want to go? I should go first because yours has a punchline in my dog. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, yours is great. <laughs> like Mine's yours. just kind of fun and boring, though. No, it's really not. Good. Yeah. So anyway, um, we knew we were going to be doing recording today, so um, we both had Trek dreams last night. And this this was my Trek dream, and it was very uh, it was a good dream. It was very realistic. I dreamt that we were back that J.K. and I were back at the Trek Experience in Las Vegas, and we were hanging out there, and um, John Delancey was there, and John Delancey told us that the Trek Experience was all well and good, but that there was a secret and better Trek Experience that only <laughs> some people got to see, and he led us there through a secret door. Yay, but and girls. It, it was like, it, he opened this door, and we went into it, and it was like, you know, it was just like Willy Wonka's magic elevator. It really was. We went into it, and it was all trekified on the inside with buttons that worked and the little displays and all that. And then we were in there for a while, and then he opened the door at the other end, and there we were in this other Trek universe. And 
it the it was like being in a giant spaceport or an airport that was very white. It reminded me a lot of um, the place that they're at in the first movie when they're kind of looking at the fleet and all that with these huge glass, I don't know, plexiglass windows where you could see ships hanging in space outside. And it was this experience that was joint. He, John Delancey explained all this to us, <laughs> that it was put together by Paramount and the casino and um, people who really loved the fans. And they had all these actors who were dressed as aliens. I mean, lots and lots of them who were just interacting with the people who were there. And you could go look at the spaceships and they had little theaters where you could go and sit and watch Star Trek episodes and movies and everything. And it was all completely like being in the future. And it was the coolest thing. So he was our tour guide and he kind of shepherded us around and we looked at stuff and we were all just so happy and we wanted to stay there forever. It was great. Then it changed to something else, but that was a great part of the dream. Well, I like that dream. I don't think it's stupid and boring because it's all Trek and it's it's a fan dream. It's like a fan dream come true, you know? So I, I like that. Now, my dream that I had... Is not Trek until a reference at the very end. But it's so good. (laughs) Okay, so I dreamed I was part of this space expedition that had landed on another planet. And this other planet, you know, was beautiful, woodsy, you know, green grass, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, my family was there. Other people I didn't know were part of the expedition. We were all um, living, like, in this house or shelter or whatever. And then all of a sudden... There were these evil trees that could walk and talk and were attacking and killing members of our expedition, killing animals. And in the course of the dream, we find out that we, as space explorers, had accidentally done something that had caused this Mm -hmm. to happen. And so the leader of our expedition went to talk to the head tree. And the head tree was the oldest tree ever. It was like over a billion years old. Mm -hmm. And it explained to him that normally deep underground there was like this underground moss or, 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 you know, living green thing that these trees had grown out of. And normally they do not come above the ground. Whatever we had done had enabled this, that 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 Mm -hmm. happens like maybe once every eon. And we had put put it out of kilter. And our leader, who's somebody I don't know, is just some guy, but he was very much the, the gung-ho type, you know, and so he says to the, the lead tree, you know, well, I'm going to go fix this, and the lead tree said to him, well, aren't you Captain fucking Kirk? <laughs> and that's the end. That's all I remember. That is so great. So I want that to be our new catchphrase. <laughs> aren't you Captain fucking Kirk? I love that. <laughs> That is great. Yeah, we got to see if we can get a tree to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, the good thing is you could say that to Bill, and he'd go, well, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Captain Fucking Kirk. That's true. He's William Captain Fucking Kirk. Shatner and Captain Fucking Kirk. That is great. Oh, my. Well, if you've had any Trek dreams, we'd love to hear about yes. them. We could start a whole new segment of the show where it's just Trek dreams. Yeah. People can write in and tell us. We could get some special woo oh, sort yeah. of music some to play when it's music. Trek dream we'll time. Talk. So we will analyze your Trek dreams and tell you what they mean. <laughs> well, no, mostly we'll tell you if we enjoyed hearing about them, <laughs> if they true. were entertaining and fun. That is true. So, um... Send us in your Trek dreams or other other Trek stuff. Make sure you do your homework. <laughs> Send us information about sex toys if you had them. We always love getting that sort of stuff. Exactly. And also, um, people have been spotting EVEs. Oh, yeah, And sending us notices on that. And we haven't... 
quite uh, kept up with that the way we should, but I'm, I'm making it a point to very soon review this one in particular that I was notified about. So I will be reporting <laughs> on that. <laughs> we have scores of people out there just looking for those EVEs. <laughs> I know. Looking for them wherever they might be. <laughs> All right, is that it? I think that's, that's it. That's it. Okay, guys, we will see you again real soon. <laughs>